I am. I am. I am. I am. Blessed. Set apart. Adopted. Given new life. I am chosen. Redeemed. Forgiven. Reconciled. Holy. I am a child of God. Therefore. 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 I live a life. I live a life. I live a life. I live a life worthy of the calling I have received. Do you? Do you? Speak truth. Be humble. Gentle. Patient. Forgive others. Build unity. Be kind. Compassionate. Full of thankfulness. Build others up. Walk in the way of love. Serve wholeheartedly. Be strong in the Lord. Wear the armor of God. Well, it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time to become who you are in Jesus. So we are continuing this series that we've been journeying the last several months, or several months, maybe it feels like several months, last several weeks, uh, we've been walking through the book of Ephesians and this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, this incredibly powerful letter, and we're just sort of dissecting it one section at a time and, and learning the things that we can apply in our lives. Now, last week, Pastor Roy, uh, I'm going to piggyback off, off of his message, he, he talked about this idea uh, of unity this coming together between Jew and Gentile. And, and, and basically the big idea last week was that this dividing wall between Jew and Gentile has now been broken down in Christ we are one. And, and it's super important to understand the context of what's happening here, the, the cultural context, because the Jews were, were God's chosen people. The Israelites, the Hebrews, this, this nation of people were, were the ones that God chose to sort of carry this redemptive pro, uh, promise through Jesus. And, and, and now he's, he's come and, and delivered this incredible message of forgiveness and grace by faith in him. And, and Paul is now saying that the Gentiles, those that are outside of this uh, religious group, are now by faith in Jesus sort of one and equal with the Jews. And while that may not seem like a big deal to us because we're so far removed culturally, this was a massive, massive statement that Paul is trying to communicate. And in fact, if you, we're going to be in chapter 3 in Ephesians if you have your Bibles. But just a couple of verses before we begin this, just to sort of catch us up, what Paul is saying is that for through him, Jesus... We have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens talking to the Gentiles, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we are, we are one people, right? Jews and Gentiles, this wall has been broken down. In Christ, we are one. And that's where we're going to be picking it up. Let me ask this question. By show of hands, who has moved to Utah from out of state? <laughs> okay. Now it's honesty time. Who moved from California? <laughs> I can ask that question because I moved from California. Both my wife and I are from San Diego. And, and you know, we often get into this debate um, about being natives because... 
she was born and raised in San Diego, and I was raised in San Diego, but I was born in Nebraska. But we moved there when I was like three so that it's all that I've known. So in my mind, I'm a California native. And she's like, no, 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 no. You're not a native. I'm the native. You're not. And we, we brag about being from San Diego because San Diego of all of California is the most awesome place. And, and, and so we brag about who's the most San Diegan. There's a three-year difference, people. <laughs> but we both still have the 619 area code. Thank you very much. So, but there's this, this, this debate, this back and forth, like, no, 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 you're legit. No, I'm legit. No, no, no. This, this, this gap, this void between the Jews and the Gentiles, and, and, and the Gentiles were, were taking means to be like the Jews, which included a following and abiding by their laws and, and to become one of the members. Circumcision was a part of that. We're not going to talk about that because there's enough said there and we're just going to move right along. The dividing wall between Jew and Gentile has been broken down because of what Jesus has done. And so this debate on whether who's legit and who's not, Paul is trying to say doesn't exist anymore. And so when we look at chapter 3, verse 1, it says, For this reason, this reason of this barrier not existing anymore, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ, Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made, not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed in his, to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. What's he talking about? What's this revelation? What's this mystery that he's talking about? This barrier being removed is part of that mystery. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus from a prison cell in Rome. But before he got to this prison cell in Rome, he, he gets to plead his case sort of in, in one of the many trials along the way. He had asked to plead his case before Caesar. And, and one of the processes before going to Caesar was to plead his case before the king of the area, King Agrippa. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read this section from the, the, the book of Acts, which is an account of all the things that Paul did. And this is the case that he pleads with King Agrippa. I'm just going to read this to you so you can kind of get a picture where Paul's at and, and, and what God has, has charged Paul, this message for him to deliver. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that is before you, King Agrippa, I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews. They didn't like what he was saying, so they had him arrested. Especially because you are familiar with all the customs and the controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, spent from beginning among my own nation in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they're willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. The Pharisees were like the religious elite of the elite. And now I stand 
And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by the Jews, O king. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme, and in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to the foreign cities. In this connection... I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. And at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen, seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you. Here we go. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is the message from Jesus given to Saul. He, Jesus changed his name to Paul because he's now this new person delivering this message of, of unity, of oneness between the Jews and the Gentiles. And culturally, this was a tough, tough, tough pill to swallow. The title of my message today is A, a Method to the Madness. And sometimes God is going to work in ways and do things that seems crazy. That doesn't make any sense. And to the Jews, even to the Gentiles, hearing a message like this, that now all of a sudden, because of this guy, Jesus, we're one, that there's no difference, there's no separation, there's no barrier, there's no border, that we're, we're just one people unified. This is, this, is, this is madness. This is chaos. This doesn't make any sense. Have you ever looked at bees? <laughs> bees are cool, what they're capable of doing. And I find it unique that we're the beehive state. But bees, when you, at first glance, if you don't know much about how they work and what they're trying to do, when you see them in their, in their, in their hive, it just looks like, like madness. Doesn't look like there's anything with purpose happening, but there are specific things happening that allow them to continue thriving and growing being a successful colony. Check out this video. And keep an eye on these two bees right here in the middle. They're doing this little waggle dance and I, don't, I didn't quite understand what it meant, but if you notice, there's a pattern to it. They go up and around and then up and around, first to the left and then to the right. 
and watching this, now, now my natural first reaction is like, this just looks like a bunch of commotion. If I don't know anything about bees, if I don't know anything about what's going on, if I have no context, it just looks like chaos. And in fact, when I first saw this video, I thought, well, those two bees are just doing the, you know, it looks like sort of like a mating ritual is what I thought. You know, if you've watched the Discovery Channel, you see the birds doing all their crazy dance moves and stuff, and it's this sort of like call, right, to, to, to mate. And so that's what I thought, but that has nothing to do with it at all. This dance that they're doing happens only twice. They do it for two reasons. And the first is while they are in a hive together with their queen, if they have found a good source of pollen, they will come back to their colony and they will do this dance, wagging their tail and doing this spinning move. And it's basically a way of sending out GPS coordinates on where to go to find this, this pollen. They're communicating to the rest of their hive, here's where you can go to allow our hive, our group, our one unified body to continue to thrive and grow and be successful. Here's where you can go to continue thriving. The other time that they'll do it is when the, the hive has grown too large and they have to split off and form a new hive. About half of the colony will, will leave. And they'll find a temporary location, oftentimes in a tree, while, while they're looking for a new home. And once one of their little drone scouts has gone out and found a new home, they'll come back and vigorously do this little dance to tell the rest of the colony, hey, I have found a place where all of us can be together that's safe, where we can thrive, where we can continue growing as a, as a colony, as one body, one unified body. This is where we should go. And they'll do this dance to lead others to a place of safety. Now, what may look like madness and chaos to you and I, to someone who knows, it's a method. There is a method to the madness. And that is exactly what God is, is, is doing here with this message that Paul is delivering. While it may have seemed like chaos and madness to both Jew and Gentile to hear this message that this border of, of division between them was removed, God has a purpose for it. And it's in verse six where Paul just sort of drops this bomb. Here's the method to the madness. In verse six, it says this, this mystery that, he, that he's been talking about is this. It's that the Gentiles are fellow heirs members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, while that may not sound like a huge mega statement to you and I, this would have caused uproars and, and rioting and chaos among the Jews. No, 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 no. We're God's chosen people. They're not part of it. We're, we're the heirs and the members and the partakers of this, the blessings of God. They're not, they don't get to be a part of what we do. But in the good news of Jesus, that salvation is for everyone who places their faith in him, those borders and barriers are being removed. 
I want to break this down a little bit because this is a really, really important statement and Paul's trying to drive the point home. In fact, the, the three descriptions that he uses, he uses the same root prefix in the, in the Greek language and that word is sin, which means together. So he's driving this togetherness point home and if you kind of look at it, it breaks down this way. Synchronoma, the, they're heirs together. Sisoma, they're members together. Simateka, they're sharers together. The key word in this is together. Jew and Gentile being unified as one body. As heirs, the Jews were the only ones that were worthy of receiving the promise of God's blessing because they were his chosen nation. So to hear that somebody else outside of, of, of their ethnicity, their heritage, it is also worthy of, of these blessings from God is almost seems like blasphemy to hear it. But the Gentiles are God's children now worthy of the inheritance of his blessings. Now, as, as members, like I was saying briefly before, the, the Gentiles could become sort of members to the, the Jewish culture if they're willing to circumcise themselves, physically mark their bodies to say, hey, I want to be part of this Jewish culture and I'm going to abide by the Jewish laws. Now, they were sort of, sort of acting like they were a Jew, but they weren't really, but they're sort of counted as a member, but not really an heir. There's this middle ground where it's like you're accepted, but not really accepted. But by Paul calling the Gentiles members meant a total integration with those who believe in Jesus. And lastly, he describes them as sharers. They both are now sharing in the freedom from the burden of the law by faith in Jesus. You place your faith in Jesus, you don't have to carry this burden of the law because Jesus was the one that fulfilled it. So to sit there as a person who has been raised in a Jewish culture and to hear that the outsiders are not only welcome with you, but are completely equal with you was incredibly difficult to understand. My wife and I uh, had the awesome experience of a couple weeks ago being able to take a trip to Scotland Beautiful, beautiful country. Amazing people, the sweetest people. And, and I was telling her, I'm like, you know, babe, I, 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 could see, I could see us living here in Scotland. This is amazing. She's, and we lucked out because we had almost perfect weather. No rain the entire time, which is unheard of because she's like, you realize it rains like almost every single day here. I said, never mind, I take it back. <laughs> but if I did still want to live there, now I could, I could take a plane and land there. I could walk around talking in a broken Scottish accent, trying to act like all of them because they're amazing. The way they talk is incredible. <laughs> I want to be like them. I could even go get the visa and fill out the immigration paperwork. I could, I could get the paperwork stamped and signed that says I'm, a, I'm an immigrant. I'm now a, a, a member of the people of Scotland. Does that make me Scottish? I mean, by paperwork, yeah, but not, not really. Let me make this one a little bit more real. 
As you all know, there's been an ongoing for years now tension between the U.S. and Mexico border. The process of immigration, illegal immigrants coming over, and, and just the, the chaos that has now become overly politicized, it's become a, a chaotic mess. And this is not to make, as a church, this is not to make a political statement believing in one thing or another. This is simply an example. Do we make that clear? This is just an example, people. But there's this tension, right? If there's, if there's a, a citizen of Mexico that has come over the border illegally, most people would say, you don't belong here. There's a process that you need to follow. You need to go back home. You are not a U.S. citizen. Now, if they go through the process, they do the paperwork, they get the stamp, and they take the test, and they do all the things, and the paperwork says, you're a U.S. citizen now. Most people would not view that person as a U.S. citizen, right? Again, I'm not making a stand. I'm just saying, in general, our, our, our society would say, okay, yeah, you may technically be here, but you're, you're not one of us. That's where our society would stand. Please, somebody say, yes, that's, that's where we stand. <laughs> I can just feel the emails coming in. This is an example, people. Most people would say, okay, yeah, technically, yeah, maybe, but not really. Now imagine if we were to come in, completely remove the, the border between U.S. and Mexico. Not only that, rearrange the entire Constitution, make U.S. and Mexico one nation, where everyone has equal and same rights. If that were to happen, again, this isn't my position in general. If that were to happen, you would have rioting and chaos and, and people would be losing their minds. That's just the nature of where things are at. And I think all of you can feel the tension in the room right now with saying something like that, right? That's the kind of tension that existed between the Jew and the Gentile. You want to call us one and the same? No, 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 no. We were born into this. This is not theirs. This is ours. And what Paul is saying, that the moment that we accept Jesus Christ and what he has done, we are one unified people. Doesn't matter your ethnicity, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter how long you've been going to church, doesn't matter how many times you've been to Sunday school, doesn't matter how many times you've read your Bible, when people place their faith in Jesus, we are now one body. And that's called the church. The church isn't this building, it's not the structure, it's every single one of you sitting in these seats, every single one of you watching online. The minute we place our faith in Jesus, he says all the borders have been removed. We are now one unified people by faith in him. So Paul goes on. He says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, 
though I am the very least of these of all the saints, he's like, look, I know what I've done. I know the persecution, the harm and the beatings and, and the sins that I've done against these people. I, I'm not worthy of this. He says, this grace was given to preach the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So there's the mystery, and then there's the plan for the mystery. So right, we already know what this mystery is, right? This idea that we are all worthy of the same inheritance of salvation when we place our faith in Jesus. All the, bar all the borders and barriers have been removed. We're all worthy of the same thing because of our amazing God and what he's done, the sacrifice that he paid for us. So what's the purpose of it? To accomplish what? And here's where it gets good. My mind was blown. I was rocked this week when I was studying this because I've read through the book of Ephesians more times than I can even count. And I've seemed to have skipped over this verse every single time and I'm studying through it and I paused on, on verse 10. I was like, wait, what? Because here's the purpose of this incredible mystery. This idea that we are now a unified body, that we're same and, the, and equal. So that through the church, you and I, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Wait, what? So like angels? Yeah. So, okay, so, so, we, so we, here's the mystery, right? That, that, that we're all worthy of the same inheritance of salvation when we place our faith in Jesus, right? Jew and Gentile, you and I, we're all this unified one single body, the church. And the purpose is so that God's wisdom is made known by us, the church body, to the angels, In other words, we, we get to show off for God. The highest calling in your life is to be the church body. That means how we, how we interact, how we talk to each other, how we communicate, how we live our lives among one another through the grace of God because of our faith in Jesus. And when we do that, we are showing off God's wisdom to his own angels. Those of you that are parents, who've had toddlers and maybe even older toddlers. You ever hear the, hey dad, or hey mom, watch this. <laughs> hey, watch this. Our kids love to show off, right? They love to show you, me, us as parents. They love to show us what they're capable of. Something new that they've discovered. Hey, I just learned how to do this. My wife and I, we were hanging out at my in-laws house in San Diego. This is probably about eight years ago or so. And uh, the kids were all getting along surprisingly well, which is not normal. And so we're like, 
huh, what's that? And I was just about to go outside to check on them because they're giggling and laughing and screaming and, and, and having a fun time together. And I was about to walk out when I heard it. Hey, Dad, come watch this. And so naturally, I pull out my phone because I know something's about to happen. And, and here's what I capture. Pause. That moment of joy that you just experienced through my child is, is a glimpse, just a glimpse of what we get to do for, for God's angels. And you might be asking, well, what, but why the angels? Because we're talking about these beings who have never experienced for themselves what we get to experience. The gift of God's redeeming love. They don't need a savior. They haven't sinned. They're in the presence of God. They don't, they don't know what it means to, to accept the sacrifice of Jesus that was offered freely and to be made whole again. And so when, we, when we're experiencing that and when we're talking at the, about that and we're living that out among the people as one unified body, it's the angels that fall silent and lean in and listen. They're experiencing through us something they know nothing about. That's the gift that you and I get to live out every single day. I read this and I was blown away at God. That as we talk about the grace that is freely offered when we place our faith in Jesus, the angels listen. They lean in longing to know more about what it is that we're talking about. As one body of believers, how we live, talk, treat each other, do life together, encourage one another, grow together, pray for one another. And not just here on a Sunday. This goes outside of these walls. Our day-to-day -day routine. How we interact with this unified body reflects how incredible God is to the angels. And in the process of doing that, yeah, people are going to see that and want to know about what this is. And so more will come into the fold as we are living out this, this being the church body and people around us see it. But the show that is being put on, the display, is for, is for heaven. The angels lean in. What? 
I want to know more about this. I want to experience through their eyes, through their life, who this incredible God is. In fact, Peter talked a little bit about that in the letter that he wrote. In 1 Peter 1, it says this. It was revealed to them, he's talking about the prophets of old, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. You know, Paul talked about this description of God's wisdom as the, the manifold wisdom. And that word manifold means like multifaceted. And in the context that he's using it was often used as a descriptive word to describe like these elaborate floral patterns. And so if you could picture something like the hills of California and the wildflowers that grow, there's this sort of image of what God's wisdom sort of looks like. This multi-arrayed, colored, multifaceted, just multi-layered, this thing of so much depth is God's wisdom in what he's done through Jesus so that as we exist as a unified body, we're showing off to the angels his manifold wisdom. So let me ask you this question. Are you showing off for God? Are you saying, hey, Dad, watch this? Not out of pride, not out of selfishness, selfishness or, or conceit. My kids weren't doing it to, to be prideful, but out of genuine excitement. Dad, look at this. This is wild. Are you spending your time lifting up and praying for and encouraging the people that are surrounding you, mourning for it and weeping with them when their hearts are broken, being filled with anguish when their heart hurts because of sickness or losing a loved one or whatever it may be, praying with them, loving on them, or do you spend your time in judgment, gossiping and bickering critiquing every little thing out there. Are you showing off for God by how you exist as a single unified body in Christ? Because that's what we've been called to do. Would you pray with me? God, you are amazing and I am daily blown away at how incredible you are. This gift that you've given us that as we exist as a unified body of believers where all the barriers have been removed and we act out how the way that you have called us to live in love with encouragement and praying for one another, doing life together, God, that it's your angels that get to experience you through our lives. That is mind-blowing, God. 
but that's just a small taste of your manifold wisdom that we can only begin to understand. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who not only offers salvation and freedom from the burden of our sins, but now offers this gift of unity, of coming together with the people around us, living out the life of love that you have called us to do. We thank you for this day where we can gather together. We say all these things in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.